Welcome to the Gridiron Fantasy Football Show sponsored by ESPN Fantasy Football. In episode four, we'll be talking draft strategies, discussing how we'll be approaching our redraft leagues, knowing when to pivot, making sure you're mocking and what the approach to your preparation should be, all ahead of our final episode, where we'll probably throw all our own advice out of the window. This is the Gridiron Fantasy Football Show sponsored by ESPN Fantasy Football. Will Ollie and Tom with you for a final regular episode and then come episode five we'll be doing our live draft we'll go through don't worry it's not going to be three hours long because we're all getting together and drafting together and and uh, and doing it in that fashion because trust me if you do one of those it takes a while it's really good fun but it does take a long old time uh, we will do a round by round breakdown of the picks we like the picks we don't give you a bit of an idea of where value is going etc in our standard 12 team half point PPR league um, but we're going to look at kind of how to to dominate the draft, how to dominate the Dom- fantasy league, and how to look at exactly how you should be approaching it in this episode. Before, like I say, we probably throw all our own advice out the window. Do sign up for the world's number one fantasy NFL game with ESPN. You can create a league, invite your friends, hold a draft at ESPN.com forward slash fantasy forward slash football. You can also download the ESPN Fantasy app to manage your team throughout the season. Available on the App Store and Google Play. Chaps. Getting into the the final, we're getting into the 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 meat before the dessert. That's going to be the draft. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> that went really well. Um, <laughs> and like your your convoluted example, I'm very excited. This is stuff you can get your teeth into because this is where it gets um quite overly complicated and a bit dorky. So football's great, but not as great as doing maths about football. <laughs> I tell you what, you had a bit of shaking excitement last week. You you shook with excitement again. Yeah, I've, I've got a medical. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, okay. And here's the big thing before we get into some of the draft strategies that you could approach and, and the way to, to be looking at it, because the key thing when it comes to your drafts, particularly if you're doing a live draft, particularly if you're drafting with people who maybe aren't regular drafters, if you're drafting with a bunch of people who all do the research, do the work, mock draft, then actually you can almost expect the direction to go. And yes, people will occasionally reach for a guy that you're not expecting or, or a guy might fall a little bit, but... It's very rare you'll get people break from a standard strategy. You won't get a lot of quarterbacks and defences early, uh, as we're going to talk about. But you've got to be able to expect the unexpected. You've got to be able to pivot. So if you go in with too too firm an idea of exactly how you're going to do it, I'm going to take two running backs in the first two rounds, then I'm going to wide receiver. If you come in with that approach, you're not going to end up taking the best team possible in terms of the value available to you on the board, which is why I still think mock drafts is is the is a huge key of this. ESPN does a brilliant job of the mock drafts, and they've got their draft day manifesto on there as well, which is well worth a read from Matthew Berry. It just will give you an idea. There's nothing worse than sitting there with five or six picks before your picks and going, oh, I'm on easy street here. There's like four players that I would happily take here and be really happy with my uh, with the value I'm getting, with how they fit into my team, and then they all go in the picks before you. Or when you focus on one player because they're dropping, and you're like, they're going to come to me, they're going to come to me, <laughs> and then the person before you inevitably picks them. So you need to know how to react in that situation. And the best best way is practice. So get on the mock draft. So just to re- kind of reaffirm the stuff we talked about in the first episode, knowing the rules, get out there and mock, because that will put you in the best position to win early on, right? 
Guys? Absolutely. Um, mock drafts will, will help you figure out what your team looks like if you do different things as well. So when we talked about tight ends on that episode, we said, would you gamble and, and kind of go for a tight end in, in the top two or three rounds? Give it a go. Because doing that for the first time when you're live on the clock is a terrible idea. If it goes wrong, then you, you've got no idea what's going to happen. So um, just give out different ways of uh, building your team a try and see what you like. I think that's a really good point. Go in and say to yourself, right. And also drafting in terms of position within the draft as well, because most people will use the standard ESPN model where you get a randomised position an hour before the draft. And this again comes into knowing about your draft situation. Are you doing an online draft where everyone is logging into the ESPN app, which is a brilliant way of doing it. The information is all there. It's very accessible. You can set your own draft board within the app in advance so it comes in there when you start and so you can have your positions, your guys you like higher up the board versus average draft position or lower down, etc. But are you drafting live? Are you getting together with people? So therefore, you're going to need printed off cheat seats or a laptop or an iPad. You've got to know all of those things in advance so you're not going in unprepared. And, and like you say, if you're doing the randomised thing, well, you don't know if you're picking number one overall, six overall, 12 overall, wherever. So go in there. And when you go into the SPM mock drafts, you'll see the lobbies will say what kind of draft it is. So you'll see PPR, 12 team, currently eight teams in there. Go and log into that league. Look at the currently available draft position and go, oh, I haven't really tried what would happen if I have to draft mm. fourth. I'm going to give that a go. And go and give that a go and see what your team looks like and see what your strategy should look like. I will inevitably do... Yeah, maybe not hundreds, but dozens of mock drafts before we wow. get to our actual drafts. I love it. It's a great way of like spending an afternoon, sticking something on Netflix or something. The cricket, the ashes is the perfect opportunity. Bang the cricket on, get your laptop out, and just do three or four mock drafts. Brilliant afternoon spent. Why, why wouldn't sport you enjoy that? You don't that? have to watch. You can pay more attention <laughs> to a mock draft. I'm fine with that because. The point about picking from different places is a really good one because we can kind of debate early pick versus late. Do you want an early one and then not pick for a while? Yeah. But actually there are just some places, given what we've said about tiers, that it's just bad to pick from. So fifth, we'll we'll talk about this in a little bit. But it's horrible because there's four running backs that we really like, right? And they're probably going to be taking the first four picks. And if all those guys have gone, you're sitting there looking at fifth going, well, do I reach for a second tier? Running back, do I take a good receiver? I don't know what to do. So just practice those things so you don't freeze. There's um there and, and the other thing to remember is that as Ollie's been saying throughout, draft for your joy, draft for what you want to have, draft for players you like, draft for a kind of team that you want to put together. That's fine. But remember, there are people like Matthew Berry who spend their entire life researching these things. So don't be afraid to go and read their research to help you. Mm. Uh, there's uh, He does this brilliant 100 facts piece. And if you just go on to fact one... Here's, um, here's, here's a brilliant thing here. He said, if you took 15 touchdown passes away from Pat Mahomes last season, he still would have been the number one quarterback in fantasy. 15 wow. touchdown passes. So if he has a serious regression, he still has a good chance of being the number one quarterback. It's facts like that that you can get that will make you decide, all. Oh. and now we've talked about we don't want to take Pat Mahomes, he's going to go too early, but it just gives you an idea... You don't need to do that research. That would take days, hours, weeks, months. Someone else has done it for you because it's their job. 
So go and use that research. Go and get it out there. There's loads of it available to yeah. you. Especially early in the draft. You know, the, probably the first two to four rounds are going to go pretty predictably. Like, yeah, someone's going to do something crazy because your mate Dave, who's a massive Vikings fan, is just going to take Carl Rudolph early or whatever. But the first two or three rounds are probably going to look pretty predictable. Nobody's going to get anything that wrong because it's so easy to look at all this information around. It's in the middle rounds. That's when you start needing to know your stuff. So once that guy that you think is your deep sleeper is gone in the fourth round, then what are you going to do in those rounds as well? And that's where you need to be flexible. But if you look at those middle rounds, they're often um, shaped by what you do up front. Now, if you're picking one, two, three, four, why is it? And maybe this is one for, for you as well, Will, but why is it that people always go for running backs first? Why doesn't DeAndre Hopkins or Devontae Adams or Julio Jones, why don't they go number one, two or three over overall? It's a great question, but it's all about scarcity. So um, we, we kind of need to talk about what to do in the strategy. Yeah. The strategy is make sure that you get hold of scarce resources. So there, there's probably between four and six true bell cowbacks in the league, right? You've got Zeke, you've got Christian McCaffrey, um, you've got maybe Alvin Kamara, maybe Saquon Barkley, maybe David Johnson, maybe James Conner. And that's it. Everybody else is in the job share. Um, so if you haven't got one of those, you have inherently got a problem against anyone else you're up against. It's not true with the receiver. You know, everybody's running the similar sort of personnel these days. So most teams are starting and playing full-time, two-and-a-half receivers. So the guys that you can get if you haven't got one of those top five are going to get just as much volume. It's not going to be that different. It probably comes down in the end to who gets injured for a game. So this is just basic economics, right? You put your money on the things where you can't get elsewhere. And that comes down to running back. So even if for your league... Um, there are there are more receivers uh, who go early or quarterbacks that tend to get early. You hear that a lot in people's home leagues when they go, oh, but in my league, you, you have to go quarterback first because everyone does it and six quarterbacks go in the first round. Just ignore it. Uh, running back is where the value is. You cannot replace that anywhere. And, and throughout the draft, and this is always the way that I would approach it, if you zig where other people zag, then you've got an opportunity to, to find something that they won't get. If you do get that run on tight ends, say... Say the, the, the first three tight ends go between rounds three and five and you didn't want to go that high. But then in round six, you suddenly get a run of three tight ends and you're the next person up. You might suddenly be panicking and thinking, oh, I should be taking the next tight end. Well, now mm. you're talking about tight end seven and you're going to be reaching massively for them. Whereas actually there could be a, a wide receiver, a running back on the board who should have been going, who's, who's fallen, whose average draft position or, or based on your own rankings, you like more than where they are. Take that running back, even if you've already got three. It's good bench depth. It's good flex depth. It's it's that's going to help you more in the long run than reaching for a player just because everyone else is doing it. So what you're saying is, is trust your your draft board, trust your rankings, and don't get swayed by the trends that are happening either live in front of you if you're doing a live draft or if if it's happening electronically. I'm a, I'm a big fan of first four or five rounds of the draft taking wide receivers and running backs and just taking the best player available at the position I'm picking based on value. Unless I've already got three wide receivers through round three, I might reach very slightly for a running back come round four because I'm panicking a little bit that I've not taken one yet. But as a general rule, I'm just taking the cheesy thing of the best player available when it gets to that point. Yeah, give yourself that really solid basis. So you've got three or four players you feel very, very confident in are going to be reliable through the year because you're going to be gambling at some point and it's probably going to happen quicker than you think it will.
Now, we're talking about half-point PPR league, so you know, do think about that when you're talking about who you're looking at. Think about a wide receiver might be above a running back once you've got past those kind of top four or five bell cow. Or when you're talking about your running back two, you might look at a more of a pass-catching guy than a, than a straight-up run-up-the-middle guy because you're going to get more points there. I do... I. Yeah, I think it's almost pretty obvious that our early round strategy is, other than don't go in with too hard a strategy, if you go in saying, I want running back, running back, wide receiver, like two, two set, other than that, don't take a quarterback too early and probably don't take a tight end too early. That's Those are my two other bits. Yeah, I'm, because you always need to take what is given to you. If all your league mates seem to be avoiding someone, he's sitting there staring at you in the face when you get down to you know pick 23 and you didn't think he was going to be there, then you don't want to be stuck with some sort of pre-draft strategy that you thought of two days ago when you were in the bath. You just do the smart thing and take mm. that value. You, you Don't make stupid decisions is a really good way to go into a draft. And you always tell yourself that's going to be the case. This is why I like the fact that you're talking about doing so many uh, mocks, Will, because you just get used to doing that. You will have seen all of those things before and you can react to it instead of having to sit there and think about it when you're on the clock and you've only got two minutes or whatever and try and think through the permutations you're not going to be able to do it you need to be ready to make a decision based on what you've seen before i can almost never understand when you're sat in that draft situation maybe it's a little bit different when you're live and everyone's there and the pressure's on you the lights are on you but those people who literally in the third round taking the full 90 seconds or two minutes that's offered to them now when you're doing the live drafts on espn you can set how long each pick takes you can all that again is very malleable to you if you're the commissioner you can pause the draft so maybe you have an agreement with your friends that you're going to do for example with our draft we're going to be pausing it at the end of each round so we can record a little two or three minutes about what's happened before that stuff is all there for you it's all available to you and you can be as nice a commissioner as you like if you're the commissioner if somebody's internet drops off and they get in touch with you you can say i'm gonna pause it and let him come back in try and be as fair as possible or you can say no you weren't prepared enough you didn't have a good wi-fi connection you're gonna have to auto draft and you're gonna end up taking a defense in round six tough luck depends on the kind of man you are i'm definitely the latter and that's not surprising for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be frustrated at the time, right? So you're sitting there watching someone take up all the time, and, and that can be a little bit annoying, but you've got to tell yourself, this means I'm in league with people who've kind of run out of names by the seventh round, and, and they're probably not going to stay the course. That is a good thing for you. At Asda, get all your Welsh favourites, like a 350-gram pack of Collier's Powerful Welsh Cheddar, was £3, now £2. And six braces Welsh cakes, get two packs for just £1.50. St David's Day worthy at celebratory prices. Don't compromise. Asda, save money, live better. Selected stores subject to availability. Welsh cakes, Wales only. £1.10 per pack. When you're going into the kind of middle rounds... Like I said, you you can make your decision on how you do with the quarterback and the tight end, and it's all about taking that value to you. But again, I'm still stocking up my bench, stocking up my wide receivers, stocking up my running backs. I would say that that for me, I start to think about when I'm thinking about my position rankings. Don't look back on last season too heavily. You've got to look forward. But the guys who were good late last season is something that I found a lot often, and we talked about this a bit with Dante Pettis on the wide receiver episode. He's someone who's going to be much harder, higher on my board than a lot of other people's because he was brilliant in the last four weeks of the season. So those are the kind of guys that I would be looking at in the middle round a little bit to reach for compared with what other people would think. Yeah, and also check what your team is doing. So you know about Dante Pettis, but I will be looking at um, the 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 practice reports and 
the stuff that's been going on in the preseason games with Green Bay, and then other stuff will come up. And I'm not going to go on a bit a big kind of research and have a look at who's doing this and what potentially the depth chart is in Buffalo or whatever. Once you're getting that too far into it, you know you're in trouble. But I think one of the good things to do is to check on your team and see, oh, do you know what? Um, Valdez Scantling is is looking really good. He's having a bit of a he's having a bit of a connection with Aaron Rodgers, and he's still there on the board at, in round ten and eleven. I, I'm I'm never looking at preseason stats necessarily. Just looking at pure stat lines is a bad idea. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But what teams are doing with players in terms of when they're using them in preseason? Are they going out with the first team? Are they taking the snaps on the first drive? Those are the kind of things that can give you an indicator, particularly with younger players or players who have signed with the team or players where there's like a muddy backfield where you're not sure what's happening. That's the kind of information you can glean mm-hmm. from preseason. To, and people returning from injuries, how healthy they look. That's the stuff that you can take from preseason that will help you in a draft. Again, to find value where someone else won't find it. Yeah, give you an edge over those people that wouldn't have been looking. Yeah, the first team uh, playing time and snaps is, is really, really important because you'll see a lot of puff pieces, right? Beat reporters and coaches to a certain extent, their job is to get fans excited and to get the players feeling good about themselves. So um, every off-season you'll see the best wide receiver in football in training camp is Devontae Parker in Miami. And we all know he's not very good and he's not going to play that well. But, you know, for some reason the coaches feel the need to big him up every year. So maybe he's just that sort of guy who only responds well when people say stuff. Likewise, beat reporters are going to are going to talk glowingly about rookies. Some guy who's picked in the fourth round. They're going to say he, he looks brilliant. He's making plays every day. Mm. That's because they're getting clicks and they're trying to get people excited and they want the fans to feel like everything's going to go well. So stuff like that, fine. It might be useful. Um, it Maybe it will pay off. But if they're saying he is playing with the first team and he is lining up every day and doing extra practice with the quarterback, that's much more likely to be helpful. Now, I said between kind of four to seven, I'm looking at running backs and wide receivers, unless I've got real value, unless one of the big three tight ends falls to me or whatever at the much later position. Here's a stat for you from last year's ESPN. Rounds four through six, the the, the difference between the players picked in that position, on average, on a point-per-game basis was a point and a half. So take the guys you like there. Take the guys you think are going to be good. Take the guys... Like, it's very rare you're going to find somebody that mid-round who's going to be an absolute bust, unless it's through injury or something like that. But actually, if a guy gets injured or you took in the sixth round, it's ups- it's annoying, but it's not like having your first-round guy go down. So take the guys you like. Take the guys you think will be productive. Go with your hunch, as it were. Don't necessarily just just listen to what we've got to say. Uh, I saw something really interesting when I was looking through the ESPN um, Draft Day Manifesto. People try to get cute during drafts. They get they, a little bit keely cutie. Yeah, yeah, it's one of your words. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, right. They uh, kiki cutie. That's him, kiki. Yeah. <laughs> I was got I got mixed up with Keith. Kaylee Kiwoko. Kaylee, right. You're a big fan of hers, right? <laughs> yeah, who big, is Big Big Bang Theory. You watched all of it, didn't you? No. Weirdo. No, I'm, no, no, no. I I haven't watched the final season. It wasn't good. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it wasn't good from about season five or six. When We've got were... distracted. We've got distracted. Get back on fantasy <laughs> oh, football. Sorry, 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 ESPN. Um, I apologise. This idea of taking a guy based on the they're going to get garbage time points. I want a Blake Bortles type guy because they're going to get garbage time points, right? Gunk time. No, never say that again. Gunk time. Here is a breakdown of percentages of players 
who were on winning teams, so above 500, and whether they featured a top 10 in their position in in fantasy points. So top 10 guys, were they on a winning team? 74, this is over the last five years, 74% of top 10 quarterbacks were on winning teams. 68% of top 10 wide receivers were on winning teams. Mm-hmm. Unsurprisingly, 76% of kickers, 84% of defences were. Tight ends, running backs, both above 60% as well. Picking players on good teams is a good idea, just because you're like, well, they're going to be playing from behind, so they're not going to be throwing the ball as much, so I don't want to take that wide receiver because they'll run the ball. Don't overthink that stuff. Don't overthink bye weeks. If it's a good player on a good team, the likelihood is they're going to be productive. Yeah, tight end. Um, sorry, not tight ends. Touchdowns are a more important part of scoring than we think they are. You know, six points for a touchdown is massive, right, compared to 60 yards, which is a pretty decent weekly weight. Then that really uh, patches up, which is why uh, good or players on good teams do really well because just the opportunity to score is going to do uh, great things for you. We talked about the Patriots running backs on a previous uh, episode and the fact they score more touchdowns because it's a good team. They win 12 uh, games every every year. Really helps you out. And then you look at uh, seasonal variance on players with touchdowns and it really changes how we think. So Melvin Gordon is a good example. Do you remember when he was a rookie and he had no touchdowns mm. and everyone thought the, the sky was falling in, he was going to be terrible? Um, and then he kind of turned that around. Last year he had, what, 14 touchdowns, something like that? And everyone thinks Melvin Gordon's the best thing since sliced bread. Um, of course, neither is really true. Eric Ebron, we talked about, who had all those touchdowns, everyone thinks is great. It's a not sticky stat. So don't pick players based on touchdowns, apart from the fact that good teams are going to score touchdowns. Uh, interesting age trend with, uh, with running backs in particular. Over the last uh, five seasons, or the last four seasons, sorry, it went from seven of the top 15 running backs in PPR were 26 or younger. They went up to 11. Then went up to 13 last season. No, two seasons ago. And then last year, every running back in the top 15 of PPR was 26 or under. Yeah. Don't be afraid to go young at running back. They lose their value. Teams don't give them second contracts. They lose their value. Teams don't overuse them. Don't be scared to go young at running back. Don't be won over by somebody's production from three years ago be forward looking on that stuff that's what i would say running back especially is a position that comes from nowhere you're going to see people invest in in kind of older guys and has-beens and you're going to see people invest in might have beens as well but actually those kind of guys who who may be two years in that haven't been so successful yet but could be um those guys quite often offer value so uh will you talked about royce freeman uh, when we talked about running backs Excellent pick. Uh, somebody like that, who people are a little bit down on based on one year, uh, but absolutely could explode uh, a really, really good value. Uh, we talked about taking quarterback late, just to give you a stat on that as I've been doing the research. The difference between Roethlisberger, who finished quarterback three, and Mitch Trubisky, who finished quarterback 11 in ESPN leagues, on a, point per, on a per game basis over the season was 2.6 points a week. 2.6 points a week. That's the difference between taking a guy that you'd have to take in about round five to a guy you wouldn't take till round nine or ten. It's just not worth taking them early. And someone like Big Ben, uh, last year was a, a massive outlier season, right? You need to look at a, a player's situation and what they've done in the past and what that team's produced. And when there's a, a season that looks really weird, it's unlikely they're going to... Um, repeat it so Ben Roethlisberger last year threw for what 5,100 yards something crazy he's the only guy apart from Drew Brees that's thrown for 5,000 yards in the last 10 years some crazy stuff like that he might do it again but he's aging he's 36 he's only done that once um, and it came out of nowhere probably not going to happen again so he's a little bit pessimistic and he doesn't have Antonio Brown anymore 
So you have to look at the the situation and the personnel around the players that you're going to p- be picking in those kind of positions. So a, it, just because a player had a really good year last year, but doesn't mean they're going to have it this year because the personnel or the coaching, coaching is a big one. The coaching could completely change how a team is going to fare or a player is going to fare. Look at David Johnson. We spoke about it last week. Not a good year last year. He was on a, a terribly, terribly coached team. They may be equally as equally as badly coached this year. We don't know, and that's that's where your flyer option or your reaching option comes in. If David Johnson's still available for you, how do you feel about ha- handicapping? When it comes to particularly running backs, tends to be the position people do it in. Are you a handicapper when it comes to late on? Do you take? the second back at a team if you're concerned about age, injury, whatever else it might be? Do you know what? Sometimes I take the second back at a team that isn't even on my team for trade value. Handcuffing. I said handicapping, didn't I? Sorry. Yeah, you did. I'm going to no, redo that. I thought you were going to go in kneecap players yeah. and, and <laughs> knock them out a little bit. A bit harsh well, for me. Do you know what? I'm going to leave it all in. Handcuffing <laughs> players. I don't know why I said handicapping players. That's horrible. Handcuffing. How do you feel about like handcuffing? Definitely worth doing in some situations, um, but but not always. Now, first thing you've got to do is make sure you are looking at the right handcuffs. So we talked about the indie backfield in our running back episode. Um, Naeem Hines is second on the backfield, but he is not Marlon Mack's back, uh, backup. If Marlon Mack gets injured they're not going to give Naeem Hines a bunch more carries between the tackles on, on first and second down. Not going to happen. His role will stay the same. So somebody third on the depth chart will come up as well. Um, so make sure you haven't got the right person. And again, um, handcuffs for, for people who are more likely to miss time is a smart thing. We've talked about how worried we are about Todd Gurley. Um, so the guy they were um, drafted fairly early just in case he gets hurt, Darrell Henderson, has more value than somebody else. So... It's good to know about which running backs are more worrying and which ones scare you more, and jump in heavily on those guys because Le- they're probably going to be more useful. Leonard Fournette isn't a guy I'm looking to draft particularly, oh. but if he ends up for if I end up getting him in the seventh round, I'm like, well, that value. So everyone else has passed on him. The value at that point is too good for his upside. But then I'm also going right. I'm looking at the preseason. Who have they liked more out of Alfred Blue, out of Thomas Rawls? Who looks like the likely backup? Mm. I'm Raquel taking that Armistead, as well. Uh, the rookie. Um, yeah, could actually, be. it's a could great one because be. Alfred Blue um, kind of hangs around like leprosy, right? Nobody likes him, but he, he just won't go away. Right, he's my boy, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're my boy, Blue. God. Look, I think there, there are some great handcaps. Handcaps? That's yeah, like I a, did it. I'm that's sorry. A, that's, that's my a cross fault. between handi- <laughs> handcuff and handicap. Uh, there's some, yeah. Exactly. There's some good handcuffs to get. And someone like Ito Smith. Ito Smith, Ito Smith. You oh, know, if you've got Devontae Freeman, Ito Smith is almost a must pick yeah. up. That's a great shout. 100%. Devontae Freeman missed a load of time last year. Tevin Coleman was the man, but... Ito Smith had a very, very good year. He knows the offense. He knows Matt Ryan. As we said uh, on the quarterback episode, Matt Ryan is getting older. He's slowing down. His arm's not as strong. More reliance will be made upon that running game. Ito Smith is is a must. And I actually think, and I said it at the, at the beginning of this little bit about handcuffing, um, if he's still available, just pick him up. Pick him up because if Devontae Freeman goes down and someone else has Devontae Freeman, they may pay over the odds. value. May pay over the odds down the line for something. You may may get a wide receiver too 
out of a guy that you picked up as a, a running back for. And there is where you're looking for your value even later on down the line. And look, for me, don't be afraid. If you've got a six-deep bench, seven-deep bench, don't be afraid for your team to have your lineup, your kicker, your defence, your quarterback, your tight end, and for your bench to be all running backs and wide receivers. Absolutely. So here's a sneaky little trick for you. Uh, combine a couple of those things. We, we've already said use your last two picks on a kicker and a defence, but depending on when you're drafting, you might have a week, two weeks uh, before the start of the season don't necessarily draft a defence or a kicker. Get one of those extra running backs in just in case someone gets hurt and then you can always cut them a week later and get defence. And there are other services that shall not be mentioned... Never. Never mentioned that force you to draft a kicker and a defence. ESPN don't do that. Don't want to draft a kicker, that's fine. If you don't want to start a kicker, that's fine. You won't get done for having an illegal lineup, but you will lose the points. But actually, like you say, if you're doing it a couple of weeks in advance... Don't be afraid to take an extra couple of guys. Like, if you have to draft early, if there's no other option, we don't recommend it. But, yeah, mm. feel free to not take a kicker and then just pick one up. The the it, the difference in points for kickers and defences is so negligible when it comes to drafting. that They are not worth taking until the 14th, 15th, 16th round in a standard league. Just not worth it. I've got, uh, I've got a, uh, a hypothesis for you both. If you're in multiple leagues... Do you try and draft the same people so that you're invested with the same people rather than rooting for some people in one league and then, oh, but I'm playing against them in another league? Now, for me, last year, I tried drafting all the same people. Therefore, it was all the same mistake when I didn't win any of my leagues. (laughs) Um, I am drafting based on how that draft goes. Okay. I am adapting... I am making, I'm taking value as it's presented. And if that means that I end up, I I did have a year where, in fact, last year, I ended up with Michael Thomas in four different leagues because I kept, ended up drafting. I just kept either getting randomised or through the game we did or whatever, I kept, ended up picking around the same point of the first round. And it meant that I was picking seven, eight, nine in the first round, swing back round, and around 12, 13, 14, every time Michael Thomas was there, I liked him a lot. I picked him. He ended up, really overperforming for me but that was just because that's where I drafted I just let the draft come to me no matter what I don't think about other leagues I know sometimes people like to do that because they like to make it more fun for themselves sometimes it's a bit frustrating because of the diversity you will have you're like well I've got so many players in five different leagues that every kind of game it's beneficial to me in one league but it's hurting me in another league there's almost nothing worse than that when you score a touchdown that wins you one game but loses you another game in a different league it can happen but just take each draft as it comes to you don't think about what's going on elsewhere that'd be my recommendation that's a really good answer Will I'm pretty impressed actually it was much better than what I was going to say I wouldn't go out my way to try and get the same people there because the way I build my team is is trying to factor in the mistakes I make I know I'm going to be wrong on a load of different things the best people in the fact the game are right 60% of the time so I will make mistakes if I go after the same people time after time I know at least some of them are going to be wrong so I'd, I'd much rather spread my options around a little bit just so that you're going to win your leagues based on those guys who are, who are drafted late and who are valued lowly who come through like meteors um, they're going to be league winners for you mm. and by investing in more players you're exposed more to that chance uh, look guys it was brilliant stuff thoroughly enjoyable 
uh, and we've still got the one episode to come. It's the draft episode. Uh, Bank Holiday Monday, we're going to be drafting. You'll be able to follow it at Gridiron on Twitter and on Instagram. We'll be posting on social from there with our friends at ESPN. And there'll be a number of us there live. There'll be some people dialing in, whether it's Skype, whether it's on the app, however they end up doing it. Uh, it's going to be really good fun, and we'll put out a podcast of that as well. Were there any final points people wanted to make? Were there any final... Just, just to kind of summarise, I think, our key points. Prepare, yeah. mock, yeah. research and be willing to adapt when it comes to the draft itself. Pivot. Go in with an idea, but be willing to pivot. Pivot, pivot, pivot. The pivot pod. Don't reach for a quarterback. <laughs> Don't reach for <laughs> a Leave D's and, D's and K's till late. Yeah, it's all about scarcity. Uh, make sure you're over-investing in resources that are rare and under-investing in things that you can easily replace. It. It's that simple. I'm in quite a few leagues this year, and I'm going to put out a warning to anyone that's listening. One of those leagues, just for S and Gs, I'm gonna go rogue. I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna do something you won't even expect. It'll come from left field, and it's it'll mess up the, the entire draft. <laughs> I'm never doing that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but I'm gonna do something weird. You have been warned. Uh, You've all been warned. I really hope it's not in this league. After we spent four weeks telling people, uh, giving people ideas on the best way to do it, and then you're going to go rogue in this league. It's not this league. It may be this round one. It's not this. (laughs) It may be this league. I'm going to go rogue, man. Tom, Ollie, it's been really good fun. Thank you so much. And don't forget, you can sign up for the world's number one fancy NFL game with ESPN Creator League. Invite your friends. Hold a draft at ESPN.com forward slash fantasy forward slash football. You can also download the ESPN Fantasy app to manage your team throughout the season. Available on the App Store and Google Play. Join us next week to hear how our, hear how our draft went. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Gridiron Fantasy Football Show, sponsored by ESPN Fantasy Football.